The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Welcome to this edition of the Stockhead Wildcatter. Today, we are delighted once again to welcome Chris Lewis to the microphone. Chris was with us uh, in September 2019, and at that time, we went through what the company was doing. It had just raised some money, was in the process of raising money, and had a program of work set out for it in uh, Poland, looking for conventional and unconventional gas and oil. Uh, Since then, the company has moved on to the ground and has uh, commenced its work and uh, has a program of work ahead of it. And I thought it was worthwhile to get uh, Chris into the studio and to just revisit uh, where Ancilla is today and where it wants to be in 12 months time. So welcome to the podcast, Chris. Hi, Peter. Thanks for uh, inviting me on again. So uh, you tidied up all of the uh, cash raising uh, late last year and then moved on to the ground in Poland with a re-entry of the Sicini-type gas well and put a stimulation job into that well. Can you just run us through uh, what you've learned from that so far and how the the long-term pressure test is going to evolve? Yeah, absolutely, Peter. Um, So, yeah, we got on the ground towards the back end of last year. Um, The program was to re-enter the well, you know, pump a hydraulic frack, uh, well, two, in fact, and then commence a well test. I mean, the the good news from it is the operations were successful in terms of being on time, on budget. We successfully pumped the frack. Um, In fact, it was pretty textbook, you know, consistent pump rate, consistent pumping pressure. We were very, very happy. Upon flowing back the frack fluids, you know, we got a good successful flow back. We were seeing hydrocarbons, we were seeing methane at surface while we did the flow back. So lots of good stuff came out of it. And and in fact, it it was very successful up until the very end. And unfortunately, once we had uh, finished flowing back the fluids that we pumped into the reservoir to to initiate the stimulation job, um, rather than seeing free-flowing methane and, and, and hydrocarbon gas as we were expecting, we started to flow formation water. And we, we flowed the formation water for, for a number of days in the hope that we might be just, you know, cleaning something out of the formation or, or there might be something that there that, that once we did that, we would start seeing the gas again. But unfortunately, we just consistently kept seeing the formation water. So we, we really now have to start thinking about understanding where that's come from. And, and as you, you said, we've got a, a long-term pressure build-up. We've got pressure gauges in the well. We shut the well in and, um, you know, we're going to record how the pressure builds up, uh, pulling those gauges out of the well. This from there, we'll start to try and understand what's going on in the reservoir and where the water's coming from. So will that, that will be the end of the pressure test as you pull the uh, gauges out this week? That's correct, Peter, yeah. So we'll get the gauges back out, the, out of the well and then we will uh, we'll download the, the pressure data and we'll do a, a detailed analysis on how the pressure in the well has built up. And that should give us some indications of what's going on down there, potentially how and where the water has ingressed into the well and an understanding of, of, of what we might be able to do in the future about, about the play and about the issue with the water. 
So, Chris, you know, you've got a 200-metre uh, column of gas there, so it's quite a big section uh, that you're targeting. I guess if you can isolate that water, that could be uh, isolated and, and pinched off with uh, cement and then you could try again. Is that Would that be one of the possibilities going forward? I mean, certainly we're, we're looking at a number of different possibilities going forward, Peter, and, and that's, you know, it, it very much depends on what we understand as to where the water's coming from. If it is coming from the bottom, you know, if we have sort of fracked down into, you know, an underlying better quality reservoir that's, that's water bearing, then indeed, you know, we might be able to do something about isolating that or, you know, potentially drilling further up dip uh, you know, to get get um, a lot more elevation above the water table, above the aquifer, so we don't have those problems in future. You know, it might be that we have fracked into a, a natural fracture network, and again, we'd have to sort of digest that information and work out what we can possibly do. And I think I think what's important to say is that what we know now from what we've done is that there's definitely gas down there. We saw gas coming to surface. Everything about the analysis of what the reservoir looks like around the well in the, the immediate vicinity is exactly what we expected, that it's tight and it's gas bearing. And so in many ways, the 1.6 TCF contingent resource is still there. The contingencies on that previously were, you know, can we stimulate the reservoir? Can we flow gas to surface? Can we flow gas at commercial rates? Well, we've kind of, we've done the first one. The second one, you know, can we flow gas to surface? We've seen gas at surface and we saw that coming back with the frac fluid. So in a sense, that one's kind of done. The third one, can we flow gas at commercial rates? Well, now we've got a new new sort of element to that is can we flow gas at commercial rates and can we avoid flowing formation water? So the contingencies around the 1.6 have changed. The 1.6 TCF is still there and it's kind of making a plan going forwards as to how we deal with those the, the, the new issue that we see in the formation water. And as you say, there's a, there's a few ways we can look at doing that, but really it'll be driven by the data, the data analysis, you know, and the conclusions that we reach in the, the coming weeks and months. Well, the market was uh, not very impressed, I have to say, but uh, I guess they need to be patient. This is a complex, unconventional program, and it would be would have been even more surprising if you'd been, you know, hugely successful on the first attempt. I think because a lot of these uh, types of unconventional reservoirs take a little bit of learning to find out what is actually going on at depth. So. I think the market will just need to be a little bit more patient and we'll wait and see. And in the meantime, uh, you're going ahead and uh, acquiring some uh, 3D seismic, I understand. How's that going to happen and when's that happening? We've actually um, purchased some existing 3D seismic. So there's a, an existing 3D seismic survey that covers a small part of the eastern area in the Gora license. A company next door to us had that data and had reprocessed it. Um, and we've purchased that data from them now. So we have, have some newly reprocessed 3D seismic that covers some of the conventional shallower gas potential in the Gora license. And we know this play works. Um, there are multiple Rotligand, this is the formation it's in, shallower gas fields that are conventional in nature all around the Gora license area. And you know some of these have produced 
several hundred BCF of gas already. Um, there's one field next door to us that's got about 100 BCF in it that's about to go into development. And we are following the structural trend of that field into our block. And, and this 3D seismic that we've just purchased, I mean, it, it, it changes the structural imaging quite significantly. And so previously, we had uh, an idea about this conventional gas fairway. Netherlands and Sewell, when they did the original CPR, had identified it. They'd identified a number of structures with uh, a chance of success, you know, round about uh, the mid-20s, so 24, 28% chance of success. One of the key risks that Netherlands and Sewell identified was to do with the quality of the seismic, the imaging, and the certainty on the size and the location of these, these structures that we would look to test for you know Rotlig and gas accumulations. So we feel with this data, we've we've changed the risk profile on the conventional fairway quite significantly. And so we are expecting quite a change in chance of success. We've still got a fair bit of technical work to do on that. We've only just started getting into it, but certainly the, 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 the results from this 3D are, are very encouraging. You know, we expect to see quite a change in terms of how we see the prospectivity of that fairway into the Gora license. So, Chris, uh, in the past, you've said you had five uh, prospects and leads, potential for about 209 BCF of gas. Does this 3D seismic that you've purchased enhance those prospects? And it sounds like it does from what you're saying. Well, what's interesting is one of the, one of the prospects that we had our eye on that Netherlands and Sewell had identified was called Ravage North. And they estimated kind of their best estimate was it contained 110 BCF had a 24% chance of success. The 3D seismic that we have purchased covers the bottom southeastern corner of the Ravitch North structure. And what we see is a complete change in terms of the structural picture. And we now see two elongate structures where Netherlands and Sewell saw nothing whatsoever. Um, so so it, it's, a, it's a complete um, change to the picture that we see. What we would I guess, do in the future were we to drill one of these structures, we would then go and acquire 3D over the rest of the Ravitch North structure. And I'm sure once we do that, we'll start to see a lot more detail over the entire structure itself. But it really has changed our view of the number of prospects we expect to see, the number of structures and the risk around these structures. So, you know, we're very, very encouraged. Yeah, well, there's no doubt that 3D seismic's been a revolutionary tool over the last 15 to 20 years. And, uh, you know, the the clever computing power that we've got now enables a lot more interpretation and reprocessing of this data than we had previously. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm a geophysicist by background and uh, I joined the industry in the very early 90s. And, and I can't tell you how much my job has changed in the last, uh, you know, 20 20, well, 28 years now, and 3D seismic has been such a big part of, uh, you know, a real, a real revolution in terms of understanding the subsurface and the structure and the reservoirs and, and the, the hydrocarbon distribution. So, Chris, uh, earlier this week, you came out with a uh, update and presentation, and in that, you're talking about uh, second quarter work at the Yarni Sea uh, Oil uh, Project. How's that going, and when do you expect to get uh, going to do to do that work on the dolomites there? 
Yeah, Peter. So, so that's still very much as it was. Um, nothing has changed to date. So we are awaiting some feedback from the Polish ministry regarding just some licensing changes around the Novosol license. We expect to get, get news from them in the next week or two. Um, following that, we should be in a position to have an operating committee meeting with our partner, Gemini, to review uh, a final work program and budget for the Yarni C1 uh, re-entry stimulation and well test. Uh, and following discussions around that, we should be able to formulate and submit our plans to the Polish government. And just to give you an idea of how long that takes, when we submitted the plans to the Polish government for CISNI 2, these plans have to go through seven ministerial departments and get uh, sign-off. And the whole thing took less than two weeks to get it approved. So, you know, we think we're on track in terms of getting all this scheduled and approved. And we still expect to be in the field sometime in Q2 this year. That would be a good case study to send to our Nopsema then, wouldn't it? <laughs> Possibly, yes. <laughs> you might be right. Three months just, just for them to actually look at it. Um, Amazing. Well, that sounds interesting. And uh, have you got your foot on the equipment that you need or is that readily available uh, to round up that equipment for the work in, in May and June? It's, it's readily available. I mean, you look, at, you look at how quickly we got on the ground and got operational at Sisney. You know, we closed the transaction with Gemini at the very end of September last year. Uh, you know, we did the capital raising and we were boots on the ground, you know, commencing operations uh, by December. So, you know, that, that all took a couple of months to, to plan and get approved. So we're, we're, we're confident we can do the same at Yarnik. So in Poland at the moment, you're busily interpreting the reprocessed 3D seismic, adding that to your database and preparing uh, to interpret what you found at Sisinni and also uh, working towards uh, the Yani project, which is going to be in sort of May, June time. Is there anything else in Poland that is taking your eye at the moment or any other uh, projects? Well, I mean, we're very busy with all of that, as you pointed out. Um, we do have some fairly active uh, new ventures discussions going on. You know, we're, we're interesting in, in increasing our footprint in Poland. And so there are a few things that we're, we're looking at and discussing with people at the moment. You know, we're not, we're not super advanced on any of those and it'd be a bit premature to talk in detail. But yeah, there certainly are other opportunities in Poland that we're, uh, we're very alive to at the moment. And in the meantime, you've also taken an interest in a company that's uh, looking to bid on some permits in the UK North Sea uh, Round 32 process. How's, uh, when does that happen and, and what's the, the target there? Yeah, no, this is, this is very exciting. So um, the company is, is Hartshead Resources. Hartshead have applied for seven blocks in the 32nd round. 32nd round closed on the 12th of November last year. And so Hartshead got all of the applications in uh, before the round closed. The, the, there are two applications covering seven blocks, as I said, and the discussions will be ongoing with the government. Um, Hartshead are in for interviews with the government in the, the next week or so. Hartshead should hear mid-year whether or not they've been successful in, uh, in being awarded these blocks. Uh, the target on these blocks is six uh, discovered existing gas fields. All of them have had some uh, production, um, some quite a bit, some quite modest, but all of them have discovered gas resources left behind. So Hartshead are proposing to the government, uh, you know, that we, we, we acquire those, um, those gas fields and, and try and move them forward. 
And what would be uh, Ancilla's interest? Are you taking an interest in Hartset or is it, are you standing side by side with them? No, no. And, Ancilla currently have a, a shareholding in Hartset. So An- Ancilla made an investment into Hartset um, to assist Hartset in, in paying for the data and the work that needed to be done in terms of compiling the application documents and putting these documents into the, uh, the UK government. So it's, a, it's a, an equity investment into Hartset. And then upon uh, award in a success case, should Hartset get these licenses, there'll obviously be financing requirements with Hartset and there'll be discussions about how we, how we move the, uh, the assets forward. So they could move ahead on their own or they could be put into Ancilla and funded through Ancilla. There's different options there for you. Indeed, there'd be a number of options there and it would be a a chat with all of the shareholders of Hartshead um, on the board of Ancilla and and work out what the best way forward is to to fund the work programme. When will you know the outcome of round 32? Uh, the, the awards are usually round about mid-year, anywhere from May to July um, is, is a, a good indication. We understand that the 32nd round has been quite active. Um, you know, we, we understand that there, uh, there have been quite a lot of applications. So we think the government, um, you know, might, might take a little bit longer than usual just because they've got a lot of applications to digest and a, a lot of interviews to, to, to undertake with the applicants. Uh, but yeah, mid-year should be where, where, where we're expecting to hear. So uh, with your uh, spending, the, the Sicini project, I think that was $3.9 million from memory? That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So, and that came in on budget. Yeah. Um, so we're very happy with that. And then you're going to spend another 2.2-ish on uh, the oil dolomite target in the second quarter. We still need to sit down with, uh, with Gemini and look at what the final budget looks like and, and make some decisions about how we, we go about doing it. Uh, the, the commitment we had made um, was for a capped spend of 2.2. Now, obviously, it, it may turn out to be less than that. And, you know, we're going to have a look at that in our operating committee meeting coming up probably later this month and have a discussion around how we move it forward. And uh, and Silla, I think last time I looked, it has a market capitalization of $7 million. Uh, and with these projects going on in the June quarter and then potentially the awarding of permits in the North Sea, June, July, as you're saying, it could be quite an interesting time for the company around mid-2020. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got a lot coming up. Um, as you say, you know, we've got to digest the information from CISNY 2 and, you know, we should be able to give some some direction and some updates around that towards the end of Q1, Q2. Obviously, we've got the potential award of licenses in the UK through our investment in Hartshead. Um, we've got, you know, ramping up for the operations potentially at, at, at Yarni in Q2 as well. And then, you know, the, the, the results of the interpretation of the newly purchased 3D and what that means in terms of taking the conventional prospects forward. So it's, it's going to be a, a busy first half of the year. Yeah, so there's three pretty material bits of information uh, heading towards the market over the next uh, sort of two to three months, the, the rolling out of the equipment for the oil project, the interpretation of your pressure test, and what, what could be quite exciting, I think, is the uh, the assessment of the 3D seismic and how that impacts on the, the prospects that you had already outlined on the legacy uh, data that you had. Yep, that's right. I mean, we're looking forward to all three of those. And and when we when we entered into this transaction with uh, with Gemini, we always saw this portfolio onshore Poland of having three elements to it. 
And so we are, we're still moving all three of those projects forward. And, you know, we should have some interesting news for the market, as you say, you know, in the coming months. Okay, Chris, well, thanks once again for coming in and updating us. And we wish you well for the program as it runs through and the uh, weather warms up and uh, makes it a bit more pleasant on the ground in uh, Poland, I'm sure, than working in the middle of winter. And we'll look forward probably uh, later in the year to seeing how uh, the work has gone on your oil projects and to see uh, whether you've been successful in the North Sea. So from um, the Wildcatter perspective and from Stockhead's perspective, uh, thanks for coming in and spending the time with us. Thank you very much, Peter. Thanks for asking me on again and, uh, and thanks for your interest and look forward to coming and chatting to you when we've got a bit more news. <laughs>